0: In the 2030s, the third clone of Arnold Schwarzenegger also ran for governor, but he didn't end up winning.
1: What? How did I not know about this? Waiting for a break in the rain. Waiting for the moment to change your lane. I can't For the class discussion today. I was born I mean, ready
2: for this class discussion.
1: My name is Cassandra Kelly, I use she her pronouns. My fun fact is that I didn't do the homework because I was busy performing in a play of the classic 21st century piece of vaunted Hugo award-winning literature, my immortal playing the main role as Ebony Darkness Dementia Raven Way. I saw that on uh, Broadway once, you... it was great. Who are you, new person? I know who you are, but the professor asked us to introduce ourselves. So,
0: hey, my name's Skylar, I use he him pronouns. I know my name is ridiculous, but my parents were really into 2010s and
2: that history, so whatever.
0: I was not going to say
2: anything, but I'm so glad that you, like, put that on the table for us to just, like, make fun of you of or whatever. You <laughs> know,
0: it comes up every time I introduce myself, so I just thought I'd get ahead of it. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, my name is Erso Rin, and I use she, her pronouns, and my fun fact of the week is that as long as you make coffee sweet enough, I will drink it every time, I have found. Mm
1: why do we always have so many caffeine related fun facts
2: as far as i know it's the only way that any of us are uh, getting by but um yeah so i'm so excited that we have someone who's like never been to a class discussion before
1: welcome to the class discussion you've now officially passed the class because you came to one discussion <laughs>
2: Ooh, yeah i was
0: realizing that you know the semester's almost wrapping up and i was You know, I was working on my uh,
2: senior thesis project mostly. Um, I respect your journey and the way that you do things, but also... (gasps) We wish you were here earlier. Oh, there's so much cool stuff to talk about. (laughs) What what did I miss? Wow. Oh my gosh. So much. The Animorphs, I don't know. I feel like we've had so many crazy discussions. Uh, We've established that... Like, Visser 3 is like an anime villain
1: and- Also possibly gay. He's gay
2: and also really likes, um- Sailor Moon. Uh-huh.
1: I just feel like Visser 3 has a lot of queer-coded Disney villain in his DNA.
2: I never really watched a lot of Disney growing up, but I actually, I was introduced to the live-action versions, The like, live-action
1: Lion King is so- Oh, Oh, you mean, like, the movie.
2: Yeah, yeah. Never
1: mind. Okay, I'm leaving the class discussion now.
2: (laughs) Uh, Bye. So that's the one that I'm like, I think more used to, but I've heard people sing the song from the like, super duper old ones more. Anyways, um, let's talk about Animorphs number 17, the underground. The undergrad. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) Animorphs number 17, the underground. Rachel and the rest of the Animorphs are at a big music concert, and for the first time, all sort of using their morphs for self interest, which up until this point Jake has been pretty adamant about preventing he them did from do doing. It, though.
1: Remember, he did it to see offspring, not the offspring, just offspring. Right, but that wasn't official.
2: This is official because everyone's there. In addition to seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> yeah. um, so I think this is, was the original based on the time period. and the hundred percent right. It has to be. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't think they'd even started cloning him yet.
2: No, cloning really took off after the 2020. Oh, okay. Rachel notices a man who's about to jump out of the building. Um, he does, and the team is able to sort of miraculously save him um, by landing him in the water. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is attributed with saving him and pulling him from the water. He gets committed to an, uh, an asylum. We're talking about aliens living in his head. This obviously attracts the Animorphs to investigate. And they bust in and talk to him, and he reveals that Yerks um, have discovered a way to survive without the Condrona, eating <laughs> instant maple and ginger oatmeal.
1: At least that's what it allegedly is. Yes. In text. <laughs>
2: I, I personally, I know you may have a conspiracy about this, but I, I think this is just kind of one of those weird flukes in history. Anyways. Um,
1: I think clearly it was the peaches and cream flavor. <laughs> i'm kidding
2: it's extremely addictive and it makes it drives them to a point of like extreme psychosis it also makes it so that they don't die without without condona at all so they're able to stay in the host body indefinitely which is why george edelman the man who jumped to try to get the yerk out of his head uh, is committed to a hospital and the Animorphs have kind of a moral quandary on their hands. They now have an incredibly powerful weapon against the Yurks, but using it against controllers would harm the individuals who are being infested in the first place. So they decide to bring it down to the Yurk Pool, which is like this obviously horribly dangerous place that has always been a hellhole for them, and... Giving it Every to time the controllers they go there, directed.
1: something goes horribly wrong.
2: Yeah, I mean, why would you just attack the hive? That's a horrible idea. <laughs> they use moles to dig down into the um, the surface of the, the Yurk pool because morphing into flies and just following a controller down into one of the main entrances doesn't work because of a piece of stolen and technology called a Gleet biofilter, which means that the yerks are stepping up their game in detecting the quote andalite bandits once they are down in the pool after some extremely intense claustrophobia
1: has anyone ever read those Redwall books um i
2: don't know what that is
1: it was this book series about talking animals i was just thinking about it during reading this because one thing that always bothered me a lot as a kid is that some of the animals like instead of just talking like normally they have accents but the accents are written out sound by sound and the moles are impossible to read some of the animals that like it's not really written out that they have an accent but then some of them it does and it's only like the weird ones i guess so (laughs) the moles have these horrible accents that are written out and it's just impossible to read Because you have to like sound everything out to try and figure out what they're actually saying.
2: They get down to the Yurk Pool. Uh, They have some trouble after morphing bats uh, actually getting into the Yurk Pool itself because they've upped their security in a a lot of ways. But they come to the conclusion that basically instead of giving it to controllers individually, they can just commit mass murder by (laughs) dumping this extremely toxic chemical into the yerk pool itself and yes rendering all of them either mentally unstable or worse mood uh they mess up a bit and viscer 3 shows up in sort of an unfortunate set of events and they have to go into battle morph and viscer 3 confronts them they manage to escape by throwing a barrel of confiscated oatmeal into the pool. They actually, they shoot it with a dragon beam, which means that it explodes in the air pool. It uh, ostensibly like kills some Urich, so that's pretty messed up, but they use it to escape and that's 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 basically that's basically it <laughs> so let's um let's get into it how did we um how did we find this book skylar why don't you um why don't you start i mean
0: I, I think it's interesting i feel like they have this ethical discussion about should we use the oatmeal should we not and i think like in this point in history we would si- side on the side of definitely no um but the fact that that was even a discussion was interesting to me
2: yeah i have to say it it does sort of appall me that they like. I don't think that it's as clear cut even as it's put in this journal.
1: As I've said before, the Animorphs did so many war crimes. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, again, like we talked about in that one journal where jake is temporarily taken over and controlled and he kills a bunch of yerks in a smaller yerk pool there were like we know for a fact from many historical records that there were a wide variety of yerks who were not on board with the empire's agenda ranging from people who were subtly undermining it for personal reasons like the one yerk whose um partner was killed that we met two mm. journals ago, to a year who we are going to meet in two more journals, which I'm very excited for. <laughs> book nineteen.
2: Book nineteen.
1: Book nineteen. Book nineteen. after Aftran. after, an, after an, Yes. Who is like a conscious object, conscientious objector, excuse me, right. and who is part of the peace movement. So at any point. When you are firing on a Yerk pool or doing any kind of mass murder or mass harm to a group of Yerks in a pool, it is highly likely that some number of them are people who are actually on your side and because you can't distinguish from them and you're just killing all of them, that is an incredibly awful war crime thing to do. And even the ones who maybe aren't on your side, some of them may still be civilians. Additionally,
2: I think an important question that is like an inextricable element of this discussion is we have to consider to what degree a number of the Yrks had to like be a part of this invasion that was not their choice Also,
1: so many of them were forced
2: yeah and also like i think that in addition to there being an empire that drafts all of its members of its species to go and and fight i think that there's a certain biological imperative that's implicit with the nature of a yurk like they we see them here in their natural state it's very vulnerable and In order to engage in sort of the higher functions of like other parts of society, including, you know, interacting with other species, they need a host.
1: Well, I do want to not, you know, get too far into arguments that can end up in the territory of like biological essentialism or whatever. Mm -hmm.
2: No, I don't. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying either. Okay. But I think it's an element of like, I think it should, I think like the biological needs of this species needs to be considered when like deciding whether or not they're all evil or or otherwise.
0: (laughs) Right. And, you know, it it, it makes me wonder because I feel like framed in this way of like, it's war, it's inevitable, you know, and I wonder like, are there other ways that this, you know, situation could have been resolved? But like, obviously, it's not good that some yurks are taking over people's bodies non-consensually, right? Like, that's obviously Mm. bad. Yeah. But could there have been other ways that this could have been dealt with other than, you know this kind of intense biological warfare. You know,
1: obviously now in modern society, we're aware of so many more options for Yerks rather than just like non-consensually parasitizing a host. Even at this point in the journals, the kids did know of at least one other option, which was Eric. Eric had been parasitized by a Yerk as part of his cover for Infiltrating the Sharing, but because He is a Chi and is a robot, or an android, excuse me. Um, He was able to just sort of contain the Yerk in his brain, and obviously Eric is containing that Yerk, closing it off and keeping it from actually interacting with him or affecting him. But, like, if that's possible, why wouldn't it be possible to build Yerk's robot bodies? Like, the Chi have the technology. Like, I don't know
0: how familiar you are with, like, from a similar period to this, and it's fictional, obviously, but, like star trek deep space
1: oh yeah brad's talked about it a bunch
0: <laughs> okay
2: also it like comes up in the journals a lot so
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so it's one of those things where there is kind of a more consensual agreement between parasite and host species and it's like yeah obviously that's fiction but it could be a model too and it has been a model later on
2: absolutely yeah i think that's an incredibly valid point and like interesting to talk about because like the animorphs are very much fighting from like a practicality standpoint, but they all have very personal connections, which I think forces them into some of these rash decisions yes. <laughs> yeah. and like intensely emotionally based. Like they're just kids, you know. Like
0: right, <laughs> they are traumatized like twelve year olds. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: something I wanted to point out is that as much as like one can love a historical figure i i love rachel i love her and tobias and the like, connection that they share together personally i think it's great and i just like it's respect really special that they're able to connect with each other over this difficult stuff
1: but rachel was so problematic she did so many war crimes
2: uh, didn't they all though <laughs>
1: yes but like she had fun doing war crimes okay that's debatable
2: but i get what you're saying
0: also you know i mean how useful is it to judge these uh historical children at this point children as uh, good or bad
1: oh i will judge anyone about anything all the time <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay fair that's fair yeah
2: i'm interested in I mean, the psychology of them as individuals while also being able to be critical of you know their moral decisions and their role in history and holding them accountable but also like it has an interesting capacity to deal with the like trauma of war I mean we're basically talking about child soldiers and this is a good way to be able to talk about that constructively. Uh, I think we also have to talk about the ableism in this book because it is consistent oh,
1: buddy. and
2: frustrating.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, that was one of the first things I noticed.
1: That was like part of the reason that I didn't want to reread it more recently as well as being, you know, the starring role in the critically acclaimed uh, play version of My Immortal. <laughs> I do just want to say off the bat, so you know how we talk all the time about how Marco copes with stuff with humor, at the beginning of chapter six, when he says, "So that's the nut house. I always suspected I'd end up here." How much of that is a joke?
2: How much of anything that Marco says is actually a joke? <laughs> and
1: Good point.
2: Less just like him struggling in real time with his numerous complicated emotions
1: yeah
0: i mean i i had a friend for a while who said there's no such thing as jokes so i think there's something to be said there whoa let's break that
2: down holy moly that's i think i think
0: they they, 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 uh, were very interested in psychology but i think their argument was all jokes are expressing something even if uh it's the opposite of what is stated but also i don't know how much i believe that i'm just throwing that out there
2: yeah, hell yeah. Do you have an example?
1: Well, this.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> this would be an example. I meant another example, but that's cool, too. No, I get, I get what you're saying. I think, I think that's a... Right. right,
0: like, why is Marco, you know, he he's, like, articulating something that he believes about himself on some level, or that he at least believes others believe about him.
1: Yeah, I feel like Marco is often very uncomfortable around... Okay, so I know we talk about how I have certain Marco traits. This is 100% projection. I'm going to say that straight up. Uh, <laughs> but I also think it's valid. Um, I do feel like Marco sometimes is really uncomfortable around, like, vulnerability and people showing weakness because he sees that as worthy of pity. And as we've talked about before, Marco hates being pitied. So I feel like at least some of what his joke is expressing is, like... Oh no, these people are very vulnerable and I'm just conceptually uncomfortable with that. Which, given the nature of institutions, you should be just right. conceptually <laughs> right. uncomfortable with that.
0: Right, I, th- I thought it was pretty surprising to kind of see these institutions represented. Because I feel like in this form, they don't really exist anymore.
2: Yeah, this, it paints quite the horrifying picture. Right. They just kind of sound like prisons. mentally unstable people which is like pretty scary that there's like a carceral system when society just doesn't know how to like handle someone who's dealing with mental health stuff
0: precisely yeah i i also thought that um also a scary thing is the fact that this guy obviously this would not be uh you know good even if he was quote unquote crazy but this guy doesn't even have anything going on you know he's just literally has an alien in his brain
2: i mean i'm sure he's got some trauma he's working through yeah like what happens when they do a cat scan on him you know
0: right like nobody thought to be like oh maybe we should look into this
1: i mean i can see why they wouldn't but you think they'd at least check for a tumor or something
2: right and it's his family that wants him committed
1: which is so often the case.
0: But yeah, I thought it was really a stark representation and also how easily the animorphs buy into this narrative, like, oh, these people are nuts and all this stuff. I, I feel like I I don't know, I like to think we've made some more progress as a society since then, perhaps.
2: I agree. I think that the just like the sort of cultural conversation has advanced to a point that is not like we just like tell our kids that some people are crazy and we're fine with that and it, it is a little bit more complex and yeah. thoughtful and also like the fact that we've abolished the police is like a big element of that frankly because that's a huge thing that supports the like right. the idea that some people are, are crazy or that like homeless people are people are dangerous yeah i don't know if i don't know if you remember this but rachel does at the end of the book set him like out of the mental hospital um, by breaking in as a, as a bear. Got it. At the end, she's like, I'm so tired, I could sleep for a week. But then, despite that, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he escaped, and he said that, you know, like, a, a psychic bear let him loose, so.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's fairly cool, but also, what's going to happen to him now? Right. You know, like, <laughs> where does he have to go?
1: As far as I, 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 again, I read this, like, two months ago or something. But as far as I remember, they don't seem to, like look into the rest of the patients there or, like, other patients in other, like, psychiatric institutions. Like, what if, I mean, what if a bunch of the, like, allegedly mentally ill people are just actually, like, controllers who ate the oatmeal instead of drinking the Kool-Aid?
0: Or even if they aren't, like, free them all. Yeah. Yeah. Free free them all. all.
1: (laughs) But also, there could be some really useful intel out there, dude.
0: I do wonder about that, and I wonder if there are other sources from this time period that mention Georgie Edelman or that you know, kind of expand on this story. You know, even from his perspective, because it seems like this is a pretty limited view of his experiences.
1: Yeah, very much through the abled eye.
2: Right. I don't know if there's class resources on that, but I'd be happy to like look into that more. I feel like we say that all the time. In these and then we don't do of, it. Like, oh, we should. We should follow up, but then we don't. This is something that. Yeah, I feel like I don't know if the te- like they chose not to update the text with like more modern language, but it feels frustrating enough that, like, I would want to bring it up with uh, Professor Leon, so. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, I don't know, I, I might actually do that this <laughs> time. See if George Edelman, like, what became of him.
0: Right, know. yeah, because we're left with just kind of like, okay, you're broken out of the mental hospital, bye, have fun, you know, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah, they just, and also just, like, I think that the these kids are unaware of the systemic problems that make all these things possible of and also course. like they're just not even thinking actively about the fact that like they know the other controllers for a fact have been affected by this like oatmeal mm-hmm. tomfoolery,
1: alleged oatmeal
2: alleged oatmeal tomfoolery.
1: that's my new band name <laughs> alleged oatmeal
2: tumfoolery <laughs> And they just they just like don't like they don't look into that more. They're they're not like okay, we should free all these people and like work on that. They're just like, how do we how do we kill as many people as possible?
1: Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> that is yeah. an extreme response. But would you have been thinking about it that way when you were thirteen? Like
1: I was really mentally ill at age thirteen, so probably
0: no. But I mean, not in the way that they're thinking about. But would you be thinking of it in this kind of broad perspective of like? You know the societal implications and all this thing these things i feel like when i was 13 i just wanted to read books and watch tv <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: no that's true
1: when i was 13 i just like wanted to die so right yeah so you, i mean you might, not,
2: you might not even been able to extend your like view out to like how it relates to other people so yeah. like that's why i think it's kind of hard to like you have to take this all sort of with a grain of salt of how critical we can be of these Mm -hmm. figures and, like, you know, be critical. And and we can be critical and have these conversations, but also be like, let's talk about how they're child soldiers. And, you know, anyways.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Here's a a note I had. You know, they, they talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger at the beginning, which obviously... We all know who he is. He's been cloned many, many times. Some of the cultural references, because I'm not as familiar with this period of history. You know, like what's Cinnabon?
1: Oh, they've mentioned that before. It's the place that sells cinnamon buns that Axe loves. Um, yeah, we only know. It I think it's like a, a local so boutique passionate. mom and pop store that they have in the mall.
2: Got it. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we just like do not absolutely at all understand. But <laughs> it's just funny that Arnold Schwarzenegger is e- like even. An element of this, he might not be. It's entirely possible that they just like put him in. here.
1: Resident California expert experience back in, but it is real, and here I know go. that we because have, like, we should just
2: have like a Valley Girl corner, and it should just be you talking about California things. <laughs>
1: you could t- Well, so like, um, I know about this because, like, um, so like, when. Actually, Cinnabon is like
2: right next to my house on my okay, street Airso, in California. They have one on the, every up, single Airso, corner.
1: Californians talk really slowly, so your Valley Girl accent is already inaccurate. I just talk fast because I've been spending so much time in New England. Anyway, the point is, a while after this, I don't know how long, but a while after this, Arnold Schwarzenegger actually became the governor of California. And he became... Is that true? Yes. And he... Excuse me. He was called the gubernator, which I... Don't know if that's just what governors are usually called or if that was, like, a Terminator joke. It must be. He became governor of California, and a lot of what he, like, coasted on and used in his campaign to get, like, attention and get people to vote for him successfully was the events of this book.
0: In the 2030s, the third clone of Arnold Schwarzenegger also ran for governor, but he didn't end up winning. Mm
1: Mm-hmm what yeah how did i not know about
0: this yeah i know it's kind of one of those obscure details of history that gets lost just because that was such a chaotic period dang
1: oh yeah from what i hear um arnold schwarzenegger's the original arnold schwarzenegger's governor term was a really mixed bag because on one hand he was from europe so a lot of his policies that were relatively conservative by like European standards were incredibly far left by American Ooh. standards in that time period. So he had like all of this. I think he ran partially on the events of this journal and partially on like a platform about childcare or something, I think. Um, but then on the other hand, he also like sexually harassed a ton of people. So mixed bag.
2: Wait, the clone or the, the original? Wow, I didn't know that. That's terrible.
1: Yeah. But then also, like, the entire state of California had seen him naked in the Terminator movies, so that was kind of funny.
2: That's the one thing that he and I have in common.
1: The entire state of California has seen you naked in the Terminator <laughs> movies? Imagine
2: seeing your governor naked.
1: I don't have to imagine.
2: <laughs> That's my strategy for running for governor. <laughs> if you're me as governor, I'll get naked. <laughs> And you should all be grateful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so when I was growing up, I read these books mm-hmm. a lot. Um, yeah. And that's part of the reason I'm our foremost animorph scholar. But one, like, there were three things that I said a lot, and I think they're all in this book. One of them was the Happy Meal with Extra Happy. Whenever <laughs> I went to McDonald's, I would always say that joke and no one ever got it bro you're Aww. posting
1: cringe <laughs> shut up
2: and then i also said like let's do it like the way rachel would but also that's just like a normal thing that people say so i never no got that <laughs> and then i would say buns as bunza
1: or i gotta be real with you i'm really feeling a lot of secondhand embarrassment right now i'm laying it all out i know it's embarrassing
0: i mean we all had embarrassing interesting as kids
1: i have never been an embarrassing person in my life
2: what an embarrassing thing you just
0: said (laughs) i was really into as a kid that book from the 2030s about the ants that go to the moon did you ever read
1: that one i don't think so
0: okay It's, it's like a children's book series it's about ants that uh, take an expedition to the moon. It, it was great. It got me really into the period.
2: Hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think there's always something that like there's like a, an anchor point for like pe- what people latch on to for...
1: I'm really interested in a lot of the books of like around the time period mm-hmm. that these kids were doing stuff and averting a war and whatever. Well, they don't really avert the war. Um, anyway, and I also do love like ancient... Um, obscure memes. Something I
2: need to bring up is the the fact that they use the civil war as justification for committing war crimes. This is so messed up oh my god like I understand like intention or like internal logic or whatever you want to call it but boy out of context saying you use the civil war to justify mass killings of helpless individuals Very, 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 very bad.
1: Also, I gotta love that the white guy is the one, well, one of the white guys is the one talking about this.
2: I know, Tobias is just like, well, it's the same exact thing, and there's no difference. I'm just like, what?
1: This is insane. Like, Like, I I don't want to tokenize Cassie, but also I do find it very notable that Cassie's reaction to this is not shown at all. Yeah,
2: no, that's probably just an element of the times, you know? Like, black people's voices were not uplifted and like listened to, especially on issues that affect them the most, so. Yeah.
1: And like we've talked about before, people do ignore Cassie kind of a lot.
2: Marco specifically ignores Cassie.
1: I mean, I do feel like sometimes when Marco's ignoring Cassie, it's because she's a little busy having an ethical dilemma and he's like, okay, but we need to do the practical thing right now.
0: Their justification for it using the Civil War and just like, it's hard to even follow. Cause it's like, that's how you're interpreting that really?
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, let me see if I can find a quote, actually. The Civil
1: War one, I have it right up.
2: Oh, sweet, yeah, can you read that?
1: Sure. Uh, I'm gonna start a little bit earlier to really get the full context. Cassie suddenly laughed. It was a cynical laugh. I didn't know she was capable of a cynical laugh. And all the rights and wrongs and all the lines between good and evil just go wafting and waving and swirling around, don't they? Jake shook off his funk and stepped to the center of our little group. I have to ask myself, if it were Tom, and it may be Tom in the end, would i do this to him on the one hand life as a slave of a yerk no free will at all on the other hand as we saw with mr edelman some free will some ability to communicate but with this insane yerk in your brain so tobias asked him what's your answer jake shrugged in the civil war they were ending slavery most of the southern soldiers who were killed weren't slave owners they were just guys trying to be brave Uh, they were guys trying to be racist a lot to
0: unpack there (laughs) No, we don't
1: have time to unpack all of that maybe they could have worked out a compromise they did and it was a bad one it was called the three-fifths compromise and we don't like it maybe they could have ended the war earlier if the north had agreed to leave some people as slaves okay i was about to start yelling again but then he says but would that have been right no so the war had to go on till everyone was free or dead, Tobias added grimly. But okay, that's a pretty good example, says the other white guy. You're right, I hate it, but you're right. We have to win. <gasps> ah, what is happening in this conversation?
2: <laughs> whiteness is psychosis, and this is whiteness.
1: I feel like psychosis is a little strong of a word there, so.
2: I, I, um, yeah, and psychosis is- I know what you're but...
1: expressing, but I wish that was not the word that people used to express it.
2: I get it, but it's like a cultural psychosis. I'm sp- when I say that, I'm specifically quoting, like, an individual. I know. Webb Du Bois is like, he talks about that in Black Reconstruction. But, yeah, that might be out of date, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think also psychosis is a, like, real mental state that people experience that is not mm-hmm. uh, negative or positive. But I also think uh, your point is very true. That yeah. this is ridiculous logic
1: (laughs) also like every everyone involved in the civil war was a dick like everyone involved the north were not all altruistic most of the most of the people from the north were also super racist just slightly less racist yeah no one here is the good guy don't use this as your example although actually i would argue that it does kind of make sense as a historical parallel in that they think of themselves as the good guys but they are also doing terrible things and don't have right. good motivations all the time
2: the text is not aware of that <laughs>
1: yeah the text is not aware aware that we have to you know bring it in from like a doyalist perspective
0: i mean it's one of those things of like is war ever justifiable this seems to be like The narrative we hear sometimes of like, oh there's good guys and bad guys, but is it ever justifiable? I don't know.
1: They're all the bad guys. Duh. (laughs) What are you singing? Doodoo. Um, yeah, I'm singing a song from, like, the same era as these books. It's called Bad Guy. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah,
0: slightly later era, more like oh, really? 2010s, but yeah. Give or take 20 years.
1: <laughs> good enough. Yeah, you know. I mean, listen, I'm not a history student. I'm just in here to fulfill my gen ed requirements.
0: Uh, that's totally fair. I'm just finishing up my history major. Just
1: the way that we
2: think about abolitionist white allies historically is always always better than they actually are. John Brown did go off though.
1: John Brown was like this one white abolitionist that was so radically anti-racist that all the other abolitionists were really uncomfortable around him.
2: (laughs) Yes that is basically the state that all revolutionists need to achieve. It's like I'm more radical than everyone in a way that is like supportive and constructive and if your other revolutionists are just like, I don't know about this one, then that's where you need to be, because <laughs> Yeah,
1: that- I, I aspire to be that much of a revolutionary, but alas, I am not there yet. No one uses fax machines, but call, you'll hear the noise.
2: Statues left by ancient Greeks, the perfect cheeks of God. Is Visser 3 smart now? Because um. I've re- I've read ahead, and I think he makes a lot of smart decisions in future books. And I think this is a book where he just kind of, like, has a turnaround. And instead of making a cartoonish anime villain mistake, he actually is scary? Genuinely, like, thought- thoughtful about his actions
1: and... Since I read it two months ago, can you remind me, like, really quickly of what he does that is smart? Yeah,
2: he, instead of just, like, charging in at them when they're in the York pool, he knows that they've been infiltrated and tells everyone to freeze and, like, checks everyone and also, like, negotiates really well and, um, I don't know, he doesn't make a stupid anime villain mistake and, like... <sighs> the Animorphs almost lose again, so.
1: <laughs> I I do feel like definitely we're starting to enter a very dark period for the Animorphs. I am, of course, referring to books uh, 2021 20, and 22. The Animorphs from day one pretty much had to deal with a lot of moral dilemmas, a lot of really terrible right. decisions, while well, well, we talk about this every single class discussion, but I do feel like they are entering an especially ethically, morally, whatever the difference is. Parker probably knows, but she's not here. A uh, dark and difficult time for them. And not just the David saga, but like Aftran and Tobias finding out about his past and all kinds. Of... Did you just blech at Aftran?
2: No, I said this book. Oh,
1: yeah. And this book. Blech.
2: blech. <laughs> I was going to be
1: so offended. In my household, we stan Aftran.
2: What was your overall impression of reading this book?
1: War crimes, war crimes, war crimes, war crimes, they should all have been in prison.
0: (laughs) My overall impression, I mean, I thought it was really interesting, especially as someone who doesn't know a lot about this period of history. And to be honest, I haven't been doing the readings before this very much. I don't know. It kind of puts into context a lot of things that happen later on, like in the Periods of time that I researched, so that was interesting too. Um, And just seeing kind of how some of the groundwork was laid with this really grim period of history where, you know, these children are committing war crimes, as Cass would say.
1: Well, I'm right and I should say it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you are right. Thank
1: you. See, can we have Skylar join all of our class discussions now? Because he says that I'm right about the war crimes.
2: I'm not saying you're wrong, I just want to challenge the way that you're thinking about
1: them. I should not be challenged, I'm right. I mean, it is tough, because
0: it is war crimes, but they're also child soldiers. I mean, they're not really, you know, we can't hold them accountable in the way that we would adults.
2: Or also, like, people in position of real power. These are just, like, guerrilla war people, so... I, I
1: do feel like a lot of times in situations where you're dealing with, like, traumatized, indoctrinated child soldiers, and I freely admit that I'm just talking from, like, very little knowledge here, but I feel like usually part of what makes them so indoctrinated and traumatized and following orders and doing terrible things is because there are adults in charge, like, brainwashing them, and no one really brainwashed the animorphs. like at most Elfangor gave them some somewhat biased information and that's kind of it like they decided to do these war crimes all on their own yes they're kids their brains aren't fully developed they have terrible judgment but no one told them to do war crimes
2: well i think that's why i'm more interested in like the sociological elements that bring this about instead of like these individuals are solely responsible in thinking about how Elfangor had an effect on them and how the Andalites sort of portray themselves, especially as we see in the next book, um, how that has an effect on (laughs) the way that this war transpires. And also, I don't know, some of the other effects, like the state of the United States of America at the time you know the 90s so like
0: yeah i think it's more interesting to talk about it in the larger context which obviously it's war crimes but you know I, I think it does help to contextualize it a little bit with you know what led them to this point
2: and since we're getting into like the you know the psychology of all of them individually i really like how we see like a clear honest through line of cassie's anxiety spirals mm, moral quandaries very from relatable. last book to this one It's very, like, clear. She's, like, she's the one person in this group who really wears her heart on her sleeve. Like, we know what she's dealing with from the last journal very clearly. Like, her having to make a decision between, you know, killing a dude to save, like, the trolley problem of just killing a dude to save one dude or, like, you know, and the lack of capacity to actually help that kid with his controller dad. We, like, we see it starting to affect her other decisions, which fascinating just, just really wait till book
1: 19 yes we know <laughs> for obvious reasons as i am the resident year apologist or whatever uh obviously book 19 is like one of my favorites but yeah any final thoughts from anyone i'm gay
0: <laughs> you know I I'm, I'm just finishing up the last of my thesis but i hope i don't have to take another semester i might have to is there other stuff we have to cover with this book
2: I think that's it. I mean, we've gone over everything.
0: Well, you know, I, w- I wasn't really looking forward to going to a class discussion, to be honest. But you know, it was a really interesting conversation. You know, oh, I may come back to another one before yeah, the semester come ends.
2: Back. Oh, we would love to have you back. And yeah, I mean, I think we try really hard to be thoughtful about the.
1: We actually, Professor Leone, had to tell us to basically shut up because we were consistently turning in, like, the longest by far class discussions of anyone. And he and his TAs have to at least, like, skim through them to listen to them, even if they don't necessarily, like, listen to the whole thing in detail to make sure people are actually doing the work. So (laughs) Professor Leone was like, you guys have to talk way less and, like, stop goofing off.
0: Oh my goodness.
2: We've tried to be a little bit more constructed about it, yeah. and also, yeah, they were just like an hour and a half long, so it just was.
1: Got it. We talk too much, but we're having fun. We're all really passionate about the animals, and we've all become like friends and stuff now because we none of us really knew each other before this.
0: Ah, uh, maybe y'all should uh, continue studying in grad school.
1: Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sophomore.
2: I don't even know if I'm going to grad school. I'm a junior.
0: You can always take the the part two of this class, though.
1: That's true. Yeah, I
2: might do that. We'll see. Heck yeah. Definitely come back. We would would love to have you again. There's
1: still, like, a few weeks left in the semester, so there are more opportunities if you do want to come back.
0: Yeah, of course. I don't have much better to do.
1: (laughs) The dripping makes
2: fools of us all.
0: Exactly.
2: All right. Well, that being said, I think we should all to stay safe and i will talk to you guys soon
1: stay safe bye everyone stay safe the morph report is now on patreon we care a lot about accessibility and we want to provide transcripts for our podcast however we are not able to keep up with the transcripts ourselves for much the same reason that we care about accessibility in the first place to help offset these costs we have introduced two preliminary tiers on patreon at a $2 and $5 level, and we are working on more. If you're interested in supporting us so that we can transcribe our episodes, and also so that we can pay for our hosting fees on Pinecast, please look us up or follow the link in the episode description or on Twitter. Thank you. Stay safe.
2: Thanks to Noelle Miccarelli for the use of their songs Comic Book Girl, Off the EP Field Notes from Another Place, and Complicated Spoon. You can find more of their music at noellemiccarelli.bandcamp.com. The Morph Report is hosted by Marina Malucci, Scrivener Lamb, and Blythe. You could follow us on Twitter at Morph Report. If you have a question for the Podmorphs, tweet at us, or send us an email, and we'll answer it on the show. Our email is themorphreport at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay
1: safe.